Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the latest Trans Europe Express podcast with me, Danny Kelly. Joined us for this one by Mark Langdon, driven through the snow to be here. So thank you very much to him. We're going to hear about the latest uh, from Italy, where the title race has been once again blown wide open. We'll also hear from France, where Neymar has laid down five demands to stay at PSG. He wants a loyalty bonus. He's been there over six months. And, of course, we'll go to look at what happened in Spain, where Seville, according to Jose Mourinho, the greatest team that ever had football boots upon their feet, got beat by Leganis. All of that, plus the usual polls, music and fun. You're listening to the Trans Europe Express podcast. Have a belt in time. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny Kelly's Trans Europe Express on TalkSport. Yes, very, thank you very much indeed to Andy and the gang for the last three hours here on TalkSport. Welcome to a slightly later than usual version of Trans-Europe Express. I'm Danny Kelly, alongside me tonight, Mark Langdon, a world football expert and writer of the latest to be finished World Cup guide uh, anywhere on the planet. Is it finished yet, Mark Langdon? <laughs> no. Um, it'll be... It's about eight weeks till the World Cup. Uh, yes, that, that's right. I, I told the editor it was ready a couple of months ago. Um, final tinkering. But they're hoping that this is going to be a bestseller. Yep, yep. Um, I mean, people will still buy it after the tournament's finished, won't they? Oh, it'll Probably be. I not. imagine it'll be, it'll be in print for years and years and years to come. Mark's with me as we go through um, a review of all this weekend's action in Europe. We'll have a European cult hero for you. Some musical homework um, relating to two goal-scoring feats over the weekend. Simon Calder would continue his World Cup travel report, this time with the city of Kazan as his, uh, his target, if you like, and the World Cup scouting report with Mark Langdon as well. We've got a poll for you as well. All the usual stuff, stuffed, to use that word twice, into just two hours of radio. Uh, thank you very much indeed on a Sunday night, a cold Sunday night, at least here in the capital, for joining us on Trans Europe Express. I always regret that we don't get to the third verse of Trans Europe Express, where he mentions David Bowie and Iggy Pop. Um, next, maybe next week we'll do a little different cut of the music. Welcome aboard, Mark. 
Good evening, Danny. Thank you very much. First question, as always. It's not as important as his name, Mara gets, but uh, have you been out to any lap dancing clubs with famous ex-footballers since the last saw you? Uh, no, uh, Patrick Cliver keeps on texting and ringing. Yeah. I'm going to oh, have to block nuisance. him. He's oh, a string yeah. now, isn't he? He's a string <laughs> vest, that lad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's get on with the with the actual football. And where shall we start this weekend, Mark? I, I, I think it's yeah. got to be Italy. Totally. It's got to be Italy. And our headline, and it's a close-run thing because we were watching them as they were playing Forza Napoli. Um, a brilliant, brilliant weekend for for the Naples team. Yes, um, you know, maybe those that were writing off Napoli's um, bid for for the Scudetto um, premature. Uh, it, it did look like it was a forlorn uh, chase, didn't it? Because Juve kept winning and kept winning. Um, well, they didn't win this weekend. They slipped up a nil nil draw away to to relegation threatened Spal. Napoli took advantage. Eventually, it was very nervy. Um, for for a long time tonight, but eventually they Particularly scored. Particularly for our young producer who had a few bob on the result. Yeah, <laughs> it, it did. Um, but but Raúl Albiol, not the um, the most uh, obvious of scorers for Napoli, not the most obvious way for them to score. We're used to seeing them pretty triangle passes and um, you know beating teams that way. This was a corner, a flick on Steve Bold esque really. But rather than Tony Adams running round the back to nod it in, it just uh, went into the. It was the like corner. Roy Keane's goal against Juventus all those years oh, it ago. Was. It's it, exactly it was exactly the kind um, of direction of the header wasn't it it, it was and uh, the, the stadium it went absolutely uh, crazy bonkers you as said if you, if you had your choice of any stadium to be in between now and the end of the football season it would be in Naples if they win the title oh uh, if, if they win the title um, Naples will be the, the, the place to, to be They the fans are, well, uh, we know you love a party uh, yeah so. <laughs> well, they, you, you won't get a better party than this the fans have been so absorbed in this title race and I'm glad that it's back on because it would have been it would have been a real shame I think had uh, Juventus Kind of done what Juve always do and, and grind it out. And, right, well, and win let's it. Talk, we can talk about, I think we need to talk about two things. Uh, first of all, we, we should make the note that it's back in, Na- in Napoli's hands now, and the Aventuses, of course, because they're only two points behind the champions from Turin. They have still to go to play in the new Juventus stadium. So that's either, seed ha- either side has it in their hands as we speak. Naples nil nil. Sorry, Juventus's nil nil draw uh, with Spal. I mean, I was here working on uh, the various FA Cup ties yesterday. I was watching it not out of the corner of my eyes, watching it quite directly. Juventus had lots and lots of the ball and all the rest of it, um, but they didn't look. To, I mean, Spal couldn't couldn't be claimed to be unlucky to get the point. Juventus keep on doing these performances where they. They just do enough, and sooner or later you're going to stub your toe. Yeah, absolutely, yes. Um, you know they are relying on winning games one nil and and two nil because what yeah. usually happens is they eventually grind out the one nil. Teams then open up and they'll get a second one on the counter attack. They beat Atalanta in not a great performance in midweek, which was their uh, game in hand. Maybe and complacency, I think, then because that result. It didn't. It didn't win the title, but it looked gave like, them the okay. buffer. It, yeah. it, it gave them the opportunity to drop points, and that's exactly what they did. But that's, that's what you don't expect Juventus to do because they're so ruthless yeah. and so efficient. But uh, I, I feel maybe the fact they've been on the go a lot um, in recent weeks. You know, Coppa Italia have reached a the final there. There's two-legged semi-finals. They had that game postponed against Atalanta, which then had to be um, fit into the midweek program. They had two very hard games in the Champions League where they put a lot into. The, those matches before they don't uh, remember those no all. no before they eventually um beat Tottenham but they're, they're, they're not a perfect team in midfield there are definite issues that, that still need to be resolved which is why I think they're so eager to sign Emre Chan. and up front Dybala Higuain Mandzukic Douglas Costa it's a it's a frightening front four when they're all 
on it. But like I say, Mandzukic only just coming back from injury. The other three have had to play virtually 90 minutes all the time because of the, um, they haven't got anybody else. Cadrado's out at the moment to come into that rotation. And because there's so many midfielders and defenders out, they, they can't change the system. So so, so maybe it was a tired um, performance from, from, from Juve. They didn't create an awful lot. Alexandro uh, had one chance. Mandzukic, a diving header. But Spal, a team that were in the third division not that long ago, two successive promotions. Got Antonucci, once of leads up front that kind of tells you their budget um, did, did brilliantly to, to hold on for a draw absolutely um, uh, the only downside for Napoli from a weekend then that's seen them get right back into the top race um, an injury to Hamsik but we don't know how bad it was how bad it is no um, I, I mean I think Napoli supporters obviously love Hamsik and all that he's uh, been and done for the club uh, in, in recent years in fairness to Sari, the coach, he believes uh, wholly in the replacements. Zielinski called him the new Kevin De Bruyne um, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that's that is some that is something to try to live up to. But um, he's somebody that he believes can play that role. Zielinski, young twenties. Shouldn't, so. shouldn't he be in our poll then for who's the best uh, well, best young player it, in the world it, today? Then he, 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 <laughs> he could he could maybe be somebody that you could throw in there. I'm little... only joking because because uh, obviously the, the poll for those of you who want to take part in this is on Twitter. Uh, at uh, at Talksport, at Danny Kelly Words, at Mark Langdon, any one of those on Twitter. Um, after after Mauricio Pochettino's statement that he believes Deli Ali is the best player under twenty one and twenty two in the world, um, we put up four names for you: Deli Ali, um, Kylian Mbappe, Marco Asensio of Real Madrid, and Leroy Sane, whose form this season I suspect means he will win this poll. Um, but you're perfectly welcome to go and vote in there at Danny Kelly Words, at Mark Langdon, or at TalkSport. I'll give you the latest on that when we get the initial findings in. Zielinski's 23. So he, he can't go in this. He's maybe a year too old. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, OK. Well, listen, thank you for that. Um, meanwhile, look, the music tonight, I'll just give you that as well. The music homework is songs with four in the title after four fantastic footballers got four goals at the weekend. Mauro Icardi. Uh, got four for Inter Milan. A bit more about that in a second. Mohamed Salah, of course, got those excellent goals at Anfield for Liverpool. And Cristiano Ronaldo got four tonight um, for Real Madrid. Um, he's had a terrible season. He's finished, isn't he? It's all over for CR7. Um, so if you want to go and vote for those, it's simply at Danny Kelly Words, or you can text me your request. Songs with four, the letter or the figure, anywhere in the title. So it can be 24 if you want. 64, whatever. Um, it is 8 10.89 on the text, and you can uh, tweet me directly at Danny Kelly Words. Yeah, four goals for Icardi uh, in a 5 0 win for Inter at Sampdoria. Um, I don't know what's to, whether this is an amazing win for, for Inter or shows up Sampdoria for what they really are. Maybe it highlights definitely um, Samp's limitations. I mean, at one stage, suggesting maybe an outside sort of bet for Champions League when they were doing so well and they beat Juventus, if you remember, back in November. Actually, the last team to take the lead against Juventus in Serie A. Uh, That's how uh, long ago it was that that, that Samp did that uh, to, to Juve. Inter, uh, I think, had been threatening this to some extent. I mean, they hadn't done a lot wrong when they were you know, kept dropping points, but they got a, a very good draw um, recently uh, against Napoli. And if you've got Icardi up front uh, and, and backfiring against his former club, four goals, including a 14-minute hat-trick, the backhill finish is absolutely sensational. Watch um, that from, from, can. It's, yeah, like it's, from on, it's on Twitter. It's fantastic. Uh, the... Um, the result takes um, Inter back into the Champions League places. I wonder if Spalletti, whether he was joking or not, uh, still thinks all his players are rubbish. Um, yeah, he, he, he did. He, he, he did say that. Um, uh, Candreva felt that it was just a way of ging them up. Um, 
we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Spalletti was caught off guard with some of those comments um, in, in a restaurant. He's been um, qu- uh, quite loose with his tongue. He, he's frustrated as well. He, he's a, I think he's an outstanding coach that hasn't quite got it right this year. And, and Inter, of course, were threatening themselves to, to be in the Scudetto race around about Christmas. It's gone gone horribly wrong for them in, in, in 2018. They were back to you know w- where they need to be. And it's going to be a thrilling race. Um, for those four Champions League spots. I think Roma uh, you know, won 2-0 against Crotone today. I think they'll be in. We are now looking at Inter, at Lazio and at Milan for you know, for, for that full spot. It is fantastic. I mean, a, a bit further down in mid-table, uh, Torino managed to lose at home to Fiorentina and uh, Walter Mazzari uh, under a bit of pressure there now, you're Yeah, to, to talk that maybe he'll lose his job. I mean, it hasn't long been in there. It wasn't that long ago. He replaced Mihailovic as coach. Um, Veratu, formerly of Aston Villa, missed a penalty, then scored. It looked like Bellotti had saved Torino with a late goal, but um, wasn't to be. Uh, Fiorentina won that game 2-1 and um, hasn't worked out at all for Mazzari. I, I, Watford fans won't be overly surprised, nor will um, Inter fans. He did well at, at Napoli, but that, that was some time ago now. Yeah, and that, that result, I mean, it kind of... Uh... It leaves Torino stuck in the middle of the table, and almost uh, the worst place to be for fans. You know, yeah, with that's this long their to season go. now looks dull, doesn't it? That, that's the problem there. You mentioned that um, AC Milan are still in the race for the Champions League places, following a three-two home win against Kievo. Uh, another another winner for Andre Silva. Yes. Um, now, what about this player? Uh, it, can he earn his keep and stay at AC Milan, or? You, well, I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to pretend it's my knowledge. You think he might go to Wolverhampton Wanderers? There, there, there was a lot of talk that he would go to Wolves in January. I think financial fair play made it very difficult. Uh, there's, there's a lot of Championship clubs screaming uh, about Wolves's uh, how, how they're uh, getting around financial fair play. I think I think it's fair to say uh, at the moment he's not a Mendes player. He yeah. is a Mendes player, and and definitely I think we, we've got a situation here where he's he. he he scored two winners in, in in a couple of weeks now, so that's helping him with the Rossoneri. Uh, but he hasn't settled in in Italy. Maybe these goals will help him. But if Milan don't qualify for the Champions League, they're going to have financial issues themselves and financial fair play issues. So uh, maybe one or two have to come off the wage bill anyway. Donnarumma could be one. Um, Kalinic, who's, who's pushing with Silva to maybe be that starting striker. Catrone, of course, the young player. But um, in terms of Kalinic, he's been Drop from the squad. Gattuso said he's not training well enough at the at the moment. So he's another one that could be on the market. Uh, Gattuso all about hard work and, and that kind of ethic. So um, not working out for him. As we go through all these big leagues, we'll have a look and some of the smaller ones. We'll, we'll look at uh, the squads. Just as, as England got their friendlies, they've got their pre World Cup friendlies coming up. Obviously, Italy. Um, do not have a World Cup to go to, but they've got these big friendlies, including the game against England. And it's not the people who are left out, for me, the big headlines, the people that are in this club, Gianni Luigi Buffon and Giorgio Chiellini. Building for the future. Well, they both retired, didn't they, after the World Cup playoffs? I, I, I suspect this is some kind of goodbye uh, where they're hoping to... Um, Harry Verducci? Uh, yes. Uh, in, in terms of Chiellini, he actually... Um, a doubt about his participation, maybe due, due to injury, but yeah, I, I'm assuming that this is kind of Booth because it was such a low point when Buffon went out and they weren't expecting it. Um, it would it kind of makes sense, I think, to to, to have a, a better send off for him. Maybe I mean, it's, but it, this is exactly Italy the, do hold this on is to the their exactly players. Exactly the kind of messing about in friendlies that got them into the World Cup draw against Spain that led to their elimination from the tournament. 
Yes, they're not learning their lessons in they're terms not. of that. Um, I mean, I, I, I would love, I would love them to, 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 you know, to have a proper send off. But this is another game that they will just take off. And, and it's another word beginning with T there. Um, their squad, although in the nose, no Romagnoli, no Balotelli, no Zaza. On paper, Harry Kane not in England squad. England got a better squad than it. Sorry, Italy have got a better squad than England. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think you could definitely argue that. I mean, because I, I think what we've got a situation here is, of course, that. Italy, like you said there, are not um, chucking the game in terms of, you know, oh, let's build for the future. That You know, they are still trying to win win matches in terms of um, the coach, Di Baggio, he's only a caretaker. If he were to get a big victory um, at Wembley, would that get him the job on a full-time basis? It wouldn't do any harm, would it? It wouldn't. I mean, I think Conte's what happens with him um, could well um, decide what Italy do. They're clearly waiting, I think, to, to see what happens there. But they are um, still a, a very good team, likes of Verratti and Jorginho's in there. So, yeah, I mean, they give England a good game. Well, we'll soon know they've got Argentina and England coming up, so decent test for them. Who's your star of the week in Italy? Oh, it's got to be Icardi. Yeah. Four goals, 14-minute hat-trick, fantastic. Thank you very much, Did You know our poll, you know our music homework. And next up here, we're going to be talking about the football that's happened over the weekend in France, including all the very latest on a No Way Is He A Git, Neymar. It's four in the morning And once more the dawning Just woke up the warning Wishing I'd never met her, knowing if I'd forget how much better off she would be. What a great start. Well done, everybody. Back in the depths of the day, and one of the great country records that ever make the charts in this country, Farron Young and Four in the Morning. As we start to do songs with four in the title to celebrate the four goals scored by Icardi, Salah, and Cristiano Ronaldo this weekend. You can get your votes in, you can be as modern as old, whatever. As long as the music's good, we're happy to play at 81089 on the text. Tweet me directly at Danny Kelly Words. This poll is blowing up, as I believe Dark Kids used to say. Um, who is the best young player in the world currently? Uh, this is following Mauricio Pochettino's declaration. Um, Deli Ali is one of the people in the list. Uh, Kylian Mbappe is another. Marco Asensio is, a, is the third. And Leroy Sané is the fourth. Um, and, of course, what we're getting now is lots of votes. And you should go and vote at TalkSport, at Danny Kelly Words, at Mark Langdon on Twitter. And lots of people saying, what about, what about, what about, what about, what about Mark Rashford? What about Mark Rashford? What about, what about? So if you want to say what about, you can do that as well. Most of these polls seem to throw up more whatabouts than anything else. Uh, as Once again, at TalkSport, at Danny Kelly Words, and at Mark Langdon to vote in that poll. Our next headline is Nice Time for Football as we talk about France. Um, and this is a really interesting story that you brought to our attention, Mark, that a kickoff time in an important game in a European league dictated by... China. Um, I suppose dictated by... I mean, it's not Chinese demanding it. It's, no, no. It's the, the, the French... Reaching out, as people yes, say now. Is. Reaching out. And, and actually, make a good point... That, they're behind the Premier League and they're not going to catch the Premier League in, in terms of China. They're not trying to, but the Chinese market is so big that even if they get a small fraction no. of that pie, yeah. it will still be um, a 
you know, tasty for them. Yeah. So, um, it was, so we've got a game today between Nice and... Mark knows how to get me interested. He's talking about <laughs> a large pie, which you could have some. And, uh, yeah, I am a bit hungry. Um, but, yeah, because yeah, we started late. I've completely misjudged the, uh, the, the eating as well. I'm starving. Uh, so, yeah, so it was um, Nice 1, PSG 2. The, the game kicked off um, at noon hour time, so 1pm. Unusual in France. Un- unusual for France, um, particularly uh, on the Sunday. Next season, the uh, the Champions Trophy, their version of Community Shield, that's going to China as well. So they are making a big effort um, for this Far no, East no, market. If, if, India, if, if India and China get that interested in soccer ever, the market, the global market, expands overnight exponentially and you need to get your sl- a chunk of that straight away, don't uh, yeah, you? Yeah, and what they, they were after a game that featured PSG for obvious reasons, but mm-hmm. they didn't want it to be PSG against Dijon and get an 8 or 9 nil. You know, that, that would be of no interest. They weren't allowed to show Marseille versus PSG because the French broadcasters have that one down as lockdown has to be played mm-hmm. Sunday um, evening. So um, they thought PSG needs, needs a team that's been in, in Europe recently. Balotelli is a big draw. And they got a decent game. Uh, yeah, and th- they did get a decent game. And it was it was fantastic, actually. Nice took the lead. Um, Balotelli hit the post. And Di Maria equalised uh, San Maximin's early opener. And then Danny Alves popped up with a, a winner. But Nice played well. It was a good game for, the, 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 for any Chinese viewers that did tune in um, would have enjoyed it. And that is an amazing story about them moving the, the timetable around to try and attract Chinese viewers. But the next story is, of course, the most important ongoing story in European football. Is Neymar a git? (laughs) (laughs) Amazing Neymar revelations every week. This week, Mark, I'm going to sit back, plump up a cushion and just listen to what you're about to tell me and the listeners. Okay. well, first of all, it's been reported in various news outlets that Neymar's unhappy uh, with his current wages. Oh, no. (laughs) Poor lad. And and believes that he he deserves a pay rise and wants a pay rise. On the back of what? Well, uh, for his loyalty to, to stay at Paris Saint-Germain. For another month, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but there's been a, a report in, in, in a Brazilian uh, media uh, outlet that, that says he's unhappy with his time at PSG. And this is why. These are a combination of reasons. If we had the old top to boxes, we'd count down from five, four, three, two. Go on, then. So here we go. At five. Unhappy with opponents fouling him. At four. Referees don't protect him. At three. Too many bad pitches in uh, Ligue 1. At two. The low standard of French football. Which he could possibly have ne- never have researched before going there. <laughs> and finally, number one reason why Neymar feels he really needs a loyalty bonus or to leave France is... They take too many coaches to away matches and he'd prefer to fly or get the train um, on, on a more frequent basis. And tied in with that, he's also unhappy. Unai Emre makes the players stay at a hotel the night before matches. Now, it does strike me um, that he could buy a private jet for the whole team and a, a string of hotels around France because uh, flashing very brightly on the screen in front of me is the latest report that Neymar is on a reported £780,000 a week. The poor soul. Yeah, well, I mean, he's talking about getting up to um, nearly a million. Oh, he got her. He got her. <laughs> Otherwise, they'll take the mickey out of you. You're a mug to accept £780,000 a week. But do you know what? This becomes a, a very serious issue for Paris Imagine how many peanuts you could actually buy with that peanuts. <laughs> It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? The mountain of peanuts you could buy. This becomes a serious issue for Paris Saint-Germain because if Neymar becomes uh, so important to the owners that they can't get rid of him, a manager, and we're talking the absolute top-level manager, they're you know, required to, to, to win the Champions League. 
I think a lot of them will be turned off by the prospect of Neymar dictating when he plays, when he doesn't play, the time of the meetings, how they travel to, to matches, and that will disrupt Absolutely. the whole camp. Any manager worth their salt will be asking this question. Is Neymar a git? <laughs> Big game tonight in France and late drama. Oh, absolutely. It looked like Marseille uh, 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 picked up a point against Lyon. They equalised to make it 2-2. But Memphis Depay, not for the first time this season, scored scored with virtually last kick or header, uh, as it was, of the game. Lyon, um, a team battered and bruised by the fact that they're out of the Europa League, a competition that they wanted to do well in because the final's in their own stadium. have got themselves back into the Champions League race. They're only two points behind Marseille now. Had they not won that game, I think Marseille would have been comfortable um, holding on for third. As it is, we've now got, we haven't got a race in terms of the title. We've got one for third spot. Uh, and indeed, on, on Friday night here uh, on TalkSport, we had uh, um, George Boateng in the, in, the, uh, in the studio and the former Dutch international, when I was taking the mickey out of the stands of Dutch football, he said, wait till we see this game against, uh, this upcoming game against England. He says to Pye, Stroopman, etc. He says, they've not got the worst team. They've got young players who haven't yet adapted to, 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 to European football. But he says the, the Dutch the, the Dutch cupboard is not quite as bare as we make out. Well, no, I mean Ajax have got you know likes of Cliver, Justin Cliver, uh, and the, like the centre back is another one that they think a lot of. I, I think they've been uh, seriously mismanaged uh, for a long time. Talking of managers, just on Leon, Klassen's uh, gone to the wrong club at Everton. I, I mean, I, I I just think he's rubbish. Yeah. I have to say, I, I didn't think he was anywhere near good enough um, for for Everton or, or the Premier League. I just thought he was too pedestrian um, for, for for the Premier League, and he'll, he'll definitely have to go to a league that suits him more. Maybe, I mean, Italy's not as slow as it used to be, but I mean, maybe that kind of league. But we're talking mid-table team, a Torino or Fiorentina. That's that's his kind of level. We're just talking on the managerial front, um, Ranieri uh, has been linked with the Lyon uh, job. Genicio, um offered his resignation, actually, after that uh, CSK Moscow defeat. Wasn't accepted, but at the end of the season, they could be on the lookout for a new manager. Ranieri, currently in charge of Nantes, has, has been one that's been linked with that position already. Uh, that winning goal for Lyon, of course, is going. To, I'm just hearing uh, in my headphones is going to be causing tremendous trouble in France because it came from a, a decision where Mitroglou was breaking away, was given offside despite the fact he was in his own half. Um, his head may have been offside. He's got got quite a big head, hasn't he, Mitroglou? <laughs> well, listen, not big he? enough to be offside. <laughs> Um, meanwhile, Monaco won at Lille on Friday, despite being behind. Uh, Yaya Sanogo, yes, Yaya Sanogo, um, got a couple of goals uh, for Toulouse. I'm just running through those quickly because I want to get on to the French squad. Um, I'm one of those who believes that France can win the World Cup. Um, and so very, very interested in what, where we're going now um, with Didier Deschamps and their squad. And I guess um, the two outstanding things to talk about with the French squad is no Dimitri Payet in it, but what about the person who has come into the squad? Yeah, um, Ben Yedder, uh, somebody that was playing... Unknown in this or, country to, <laughs> four days ago. Or, yeah, I mean, I'd wonder if they're calling Ben Hedder after that goal he scored at Old Trafford um, in midweek. But, yeah, Ben Yedder, somebody that turned... I think it was Tunisia um, tried to get him to um, play for them. He turned him down numerous times... I mean, it was ambitious. I felt that he wanted to, sure. um, you know, hold on for France. And yet here he is, um, you know, with the World Cup just a few months ago with an opportunity. Obviously, Benzema... Um, Causing you play. to delay the writing of your book, uh, I presume, exactly. and they keep changing this, the squads this, like this. This, this, this is a, a key point, Danny. Um, but <laughs> To your publisher who must be listening. Uh, but somebody like Giroud doesn't play every week for Chelsea. 
when he did play, he didn't get very good reviews. Lacazette is, having a... Lacazette is injured at the moment. Yep. Mbappe prefers to play wide. Griezmann, obviously, one of the first names on the team sheet. They like to play 4-4-2. Ben Yedda has... I'd, I'd still say it's unlikely that he would be a starter for France, but if you're in the squad for the final round, uh, got, you can make yourself you indispensable. Um, for, for, Anthony for sure. Martial is in the squad. Yes, uh, I, and I fully agree with that. I think Martial is just an outstanding talent that that maybe hasn't got um, the manager that fully got trust in him um, even now at the moment. Martial's and, got no heritage. <laughs> he's got a lot of quality. Um, that, that that is the one thing he has got. Uh, and Lucas Hernandez in the squad from Atletico. Madrid been yeah, a bit of a, a tug of war over him with you know would he play for Spain would he play for France um, there's a couple of players like that Laporte being um, uh, another one that, that, that's had options Lucas Hernandez it, it is in the, the the French squad Atletico Madrid um, player has had a troubled off-field history I think it's fair to say with um, domestic violence um, you know, uh, charges against mm-hmm. him so uh, he, he's somebody that um, comes with some baggage but he's definitely um, a talented player Payet interesting one that he wasn't selected I think this could just be a case of uh, Deschamps knows what Payet can, can offer the team wants to have a look to see if anybody can um, do more and if not he can always bring him back and Manchester City's Laporte not in a squad so running out of time to make the French squad yes um, I mean th- there was talk as well that you know would he be playing for um, for, for Spain so you know th- th- it's it's been an ongoing issue, that one. Um, I mean, first of all, he's got to be playing for Manchester City and he's not... Then he's got to get past Varane and MTT. Yes. Um, I, I mean, he's played at France for, you know, for all levels, um, you know, in, in under-18s, under-21s. And, you know, he's, he's been around that. But obviously, he's in the process of um, you know, being available for Spain as well. So, But like I say, he needs to be playing for Manchester City before I think we can start talking about him playing for one of these two high-quality nations. John Stones doesn't play for Manchester City. No, but England haven't got the amount of options that Spain um, and France have got. Who's your star of the week in France, Mark? Uh, my, my star of the week in France is Unai Emery. Uh, oh, beast. I... I, I, I he made the tactical change, if you remember, in the Bernabeu when he took off Cavani, brought on Mounier, and moved Alves further forward. An idiot like me was bewildered by that, I've got to be honest. Absolutely sorted <laughs> for it. He did, the, he did the same move today. Uh, Danny Alves popped up with a winner with a Cavani-esque uh, header from, from about nine yards out. He's a genius. The man's a genius. The PSG do not need any new managers from North London whatsoever. Thank you very much indeed. Mark, coming up next, we'll be talking about um, what's going on in Germany including for people who speak the English language and have the mind of a 13-year-old uh, schoolboy, a uh, new manager at Hamburg with the most extraordinary uh, surname. Now I'm four, five seconds from Wiley, And we got three more days till Friday I'm just trying to make it back home by Monday morning I swear I wish somebody would tell me Oh, that's all I want Woke up an optimist Sun was shining, I'm positive Well, one of the wonderful things about having music homework, it keeps proving over and over again how many teenage girls listen to Trans Europe Express, which is just great. They're voting in vast numbers for this. Rihanna, Kanye West and Maka, uh, four point four five seconds it's called. Keep your songs coming, please, with any appearance of the word for or the letter for anywhere in the title. 
as we continue to celebrate the foursomes, double brace, hat-trick plus one, call them what you like, over the weekend of Mauro Icardi, Mo Salah and Cristiano Ronaldo. Let me give you the latest from our controversial poll. Of the four players we put up to be the best young player, i.e. 22 or under in the world, Deli Alli's trailing behind. He's useless, 10%. Marco Asensio, 16%. Kylian Mbappe, 29%. But winning by a mile at the moment is Leroy Sane with 46%. And you can vote by going to any one of these Twitter accounts at TalkSport, at Danny Kelly Words, at Mark Langdon to have your say. Loads of you are saying, well, Wolves fans are saying, David Ratcliffe and many other people who go in Wolves scarves are saying Ruben Neves is the best young player in the world. Mark Langdon, you missed him out. Well, I, you know, Neves, obviously, I, I don't think he's quite as good as that. Um, but if he could be playing for a top Premier League team this season, um, I, I, it's very strange he ended up at Wolves. Yeah, OK. Darren Bradley is talking about Marcus Rashford. Yeah, I mean, he's not as good as the four we've got in the poll. Daniel Lynch is talking about Joshua Kimmich. Um, but he's too old for this poll. I think he's 23. The same can be said of Bernardo Silva. Many of you are asking about Bernardo Silva. Kieran Tierney of Celtic also getting lots and lots of support. Go go and vote, though, for the four we have put up there. And I'm delighted that Deli Ali is now regarded as one of the worst players in the world. Perhaps he can stay for a few more miserable years um, at Spurs. Uh, let's move on to our next um, league. There's no, there's no way around this. I have asked pronunciation experts, and I'm not just trying to do it for to get a cheap laugh, the headline is, it's all gone tits up at Hamburg. Um, be- well, we'll come on to why we're doing that. Well, first, we should talk about the game between Leipzig and Bayern Munich. Yes, and um, for the first time in 20 matches, um, it was, uh, Bayern Munich have suffered a defeat, uh, a 2-1 uh, against Leipzig. It was the Leipzig of old, actually. Uh, we saw much more energy from them. Naby Keita... Got- they were a driving force of it. Yes, absolutely. Got the equalising goal and then set up Timo Werner, a substitute, actually. He was uh, left on the bench because they're um, involved in, obviously, this Europa League as well that's been taking quite a lot out of them in, in recent weeks. Uh, so he was left on the bench, came off the bench to score. I was surprised with the Bayern Munich um, starting eleven. The fact that Sandro Wagner scored... Tells you. <laughs> that, you know, that they prioritised the Besiktas Champions League game in midweek, even though they were 5-0 up. So... They're not interested when they win. Uh, Man City, Guardiola talked about winning the Premier League as quickly as possible, or Vincent Company certainly did, you know, wanting to get it done, um, you know, in in the Manchester derby. Bayern could have done exactly the same and had it uh, the Classica just after the international break. Can't Uh, do that now. No. Um, And speaking of Dortmund, um, a 1-0 win for them over Hanover. Uh, I wonder who scored. Uh, there's, yeah, it's who else, isn't it, at the moment in terms of, um, you know, for Dortmund. Batshuayi from a corner, lovely backheel finish. Um, really good to see. A flick rather than, we mentioned Hikardi's one before. Hikardi was on the floor and um, and backheeled it. This no, was this more a flying... flying Kung Fu uh, style. Exactly, um, from Batshuayi. Again, he's not great in the build-up, which is why I think that Conte didn't trust him um, at Chelsea. And maybe at that level for somebody that wants to be... But he doesn't trust Morata and he doesn't trust no, Giroud no, either. That, 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 there is that. But I, 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 Batshuayi would certainly do a very good job for somebody if you just ask him to, to score the goals. Because like I said, he can be a frustrating player. Um, but Dortmund fans are certainly enjoying him. And they haven't missed a Bomiang. Uh, which they've got problems elsewhere, but that's not one of them up front. Yeah, they've got 99 problems, but Aubameyang ain't one. Um, now talk to me about Hamburg. 
Right. Well, the, the, the bad news is Hamburg lost uh, by two goals to one against Hertha. Um, Douglas Santos scored. Uh, you do know that I'm planning to make a bid for the atomic clock that shows how long they've been in the Bundesliga. When they go down, I think it'll look great along the length of the studio uh, here. It, it would. Actually, their, their fans uh, held um, were singing songs, Never Second Division HSV, which uh, was HSV being the, the, uh, what Hamburg are known mm-hmm. by um, in, in Germany. Never Second Division. Not sure about that. Um, well, they now, they the now managed to get them because Cologne's victory over Leverkusen, which is an astonishing result. A derby in, game. In a, its own right. Uh, yes, uh, that's taken Hamburg to rock bottom. It has taken them to rock bottom. However, and then, hence the headline, it's all gone tits up for, for Hamburg under their new coach, um, Christian Titz. Uh, yeah, T-I-T-Z, people. So we've got no way around this. Unlike uh, the Brazilian coach, who we can call Tite. Tite absolutely. Um, but... Do you know what though? Where did they get tits from? Uh, they they got him from the they got him from the youth team, uh, Danny, which um, is a well trodden path for Bundesliga clubs. And they basically said, I think they've just said we're down. Let's try something different and see if we can perform a miracle. And boy, he started with that. Didn't he, he? He's ripped the team up completely. Now some will say fully deserved. These experienced players have had long enough. The average age of the team was under 24. It was the youngest team since 1974. Wow. We had players like Harper, who's 18 years old, in the starting 11. They played uh, high-press football, high-energy football. The goalkeepers near the halfway line, starting attacks, kind of Guardiola, Manchester City style. So they've completely changed um, their approach. Papadopoulos, one of the old stages, he he, he, um, had a press conference after the game where he said, it's a shame that experienced players who have managed to save Hamburg before weren't in the team. Sometimes the best solution isn't always to try something new. Um, I, I think it has to be. I mean, what, what have Hamburg got to lose? Nothing. And if they do go down, these players and this philosophy could be what that gets them up. That club has been doing a sudden. It's been messing around there for the last four or five years. It needs to go down to renew itself. That's the truth of it, isn't it? Absolutely. Be absolutely truthful let's hope about that. that. I mean, for, just for the laughs, let's hope Tits gets the job for <laughs> a, a, a while yet. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, listen, um, that defeat for Leverkusen out of the blue there at Cologne, uh, means that Frankfurt are now in the Champions League places. Just want to mention that. Uh, uh, Schalke, um, second, um, with 49 points. Uh, Dortmund, 48. Uh, Frankfurt, 45. Leverkusen, 44. And Leipzig, 43. Make up the five into three won't go race for the Champions League places in Germany. Let's talk about their squad coming up to a World Cup, which, of course, they're hoping to defend. Um, interesting choices up front. Yes, Um I mean, in terms of Mario Gomez, somebody that most people probably wouldn't pick um, because of his style of play and the fact he's had a pretty average season. He's just hit a a purple patch now. But Germany haven't got anybody. And and this is Yogi Love is not necessarily interested solely in form. That's why somebody like Lucas Podolski was in the squad for as long as he was. He he likes certain characters to be around the place, and he also, I think, wants variety in his attack. So he doesn't want all of his forwards to be like Timo Werner. What, what's the point of that? You know, you, you've got your Timo Werner. Lars Stindl is somebody that um, can play as a, a kind of 9 or a 10 if you need him to. Mario Goetze is just, um, sorry, uh, Mario Gomez is just your out-and-out, number nine, target man forward, the plan B, if you like, for, for Germany. And um, he, he's in the squad. Um, he, he, he games against Spain and Brazil. Uh, he scored a couple of goals um, for Stuttgart. I want to come back Friday to the Bundesliga night. in a second, but I've got to ask you, the time is running out now for the World Cup. 
Is Tostegan going to start ahead of Neuer? Well, we have to see when Neuer will be back. We just don't know. We've been yet. saying that for three months now. Yes, but if he comes back and even plays two or three games, I think that will be enough. The one who's definitely missing out at the moment, Bernd Leno, um, another horrible mistake today. He just makes too many. I mean, if Tostegan's in goal, it's not a bad, not a bad situation. But I do think Neuer uh, will come back before the end of the season and force his way in. I actually completely forgot when we were talking about um, the bottom of the table with Cologne um, replacing Hamburg replacing. In Cologne at the very bottom. Of course, Wolfsburg lost 1 0 to Schalke. Um, they could very easily have won that game. They missed a penalty while it was still 0 0 towards the very end. And now Wolfsburg are above the, the relegation zone, or at least the playoff relegation zone with Mainz, by goal difference only. What would it mean if Wolfsburg were to go down? Well, there? they were in the relegation playoff last season, so um, it, it would mean a lot um, in, in terms of... Obviously, we've spoken about this before, the uh, Volkswagen one scandal. One of the wealthiest clubs in, in Germany. They were one of the, the wealthiest. I mean, they've they still got more money than some, but they haven't spent it particularly wisely. They've had a lot of managerial changes. Oh, this is after Volkswagen falsified all the figures for, for yes. pollution emissions and the sudden the sales of yeah. And that runs the whole town, basically. So it's a, it's a big job. Just on the German national team, very quickly, mm. no Marco Royce in that squad. Yeah. Um, spoke about the balance. They've obviously got Sane. They've got Julian Draxler. Um, I still would like to see Royce in there, but time is running out for him. And your star of the week in Germany? Uh, Mario Gomez, back in the Germany squad, scored twice for Stuttgart in, in their win at Freiburg on Friday. Well, we seem to have got through the section about the new Hamburg manager, who uh, we'll keep you abreast of throughout the rest of the season here uh, on Talk Sport. And next up, um, we'll talk about what's going on in Spain. One of those bands that had two separate careers, Chicago. In the latter part of their career, they were made a load of soppy ballads that went to number one all around the world. But before that, their first three albums are absolutely searing rock, funk, funk, rock. And this is their best song, 25 or 6 to 4. Listen to those horns. Songs with four, anywhere in the title, please. Text me 81089, tweet me directly at Danny Kelly Words. Marco, uh, sorry. Mark Langdon, why don't I call you Marco? They've gone European on your ass. <laughs> uh, Mark, uh, your headline for. Uh, the goings on in Spain. Not a leg to stand on for Mourinho, and we'll come on to that in just a second. Um, Real Madrid had a, a, a tremendous victory over Girona. Well, you'd expect them to beat Girona, although they didn't earlier in the season. They didn't, know when they were playing. Um, you know, that, that was kind of the start of their crisis, um, if you like. Um, but they paid back time for Girona, who... But, I mean, I, I like the fact that Girona went to the Bernabeu. I mean, they're safely tucked away in mid-table, so they... You know, just played. They, they they played Real Madrid at football, made for an entertaining game, got turned over 6-3. Nine-goal thriller. Yeah, I mean, 
Real Madrid love that type of football. Uh, you know, maybe a structured game is where they'll struggle. We'll get on to the Champions League battles mm. with Juventus that, that won't be quite so open. Cristiano Ronaldo mm. uh, wasn't that long ago. People were wondering if he was finished, too old. Well, it, as we saw with the European Championship, didn't we? He's now taken to timing his runs in the season for the latter half of the season. Andy Brussel was talking about this on uh, this very show a few weeks very ago. Very poor, isn't he, Andy Brussel? <laughs> he he was talking about the fact that, you know, peaking for the, the, the summer tournaments. Absolutely. Um, you know, and probably last World Cup so um, what an opportunity for Ronaldo he's I mean you know, four goals um, tonight Gareth Bale scored as a substitute um, Lucas Vasquez also on target the Bernabeu Stuani uh, once of these shores got a couple of goals for Girona as well well look we, we all talk though that there is a need we I think it's understood that there is a need to and what Nat Coombs would call re-up the Real Madrid uh, Real up the, uh, the, the Madrid squad um, and two of the players that keep getting looked at there, former Spurs players, of course, Gareth Bale, and, of course, much further down the career uh, path, Luka Modric. Yes, um, in terms of Gareth Bale, I mean, I, I wouldn't say they're forcing him out necessarily, but they are um, certainly uh, putting pressure on, on Gareth Bale. The fact that he's, he, he's not starting in, in enough matches at the moment. A couple of seasons ago, he would have been, uh, you know, one of Zidane's sort of trusty lieutenants. That's not the case anymore. Um, I mean, he'll, he'll surely want to play. I, I, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would be happy um, sitting on the bench anywhere. I think that there'd be a few Premier League teams that would love to have Gareth Bale back playing for so them. Probably a problem with his wages, even by Premier League standards. Yes, it wouldn't be a problem for Manchester United. I mean, no. they've already shown that with somebody like Alexis. Um, maybe Chelsea, if Eden Hazard would go the other way. I mean, swap deals are not easy to do, but no. that might be... Some, some kind of interesting manoeuvre. I must say, we should mention the fact that Stuani, who you mentioned there, formerly of Middlesbrough, um, one of his goals tonight was headed. He has now got more headed goals than anyone else in that league this season. I mean, it's quite remarkable because you wouldn't Remember have the rules. That... Just because you fail in England doesn't mean you're a bad footballer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's playing in a team, like I say, that creates a lot of chances by a kind of you know mid-table standards. But even so, he's having a fine campaign. Yeah, good, good for him. Which takes us on to Seville. Now, we know from Jose Mourinho's 12-minute, not rant, that's not the right word, recitation of the facts that Seville are one of the global powers of football. Indeed, they may be one of the greatest teams that God has ever put laces into their boots. So how does he explain their 2-1 defeat of Leganis today? <laughs> yeah, um, not an easy one um, to, to, to explain. I mean, the, the simple answer is that Sevilla aren't that good um, and, and Manchester United just made them look better uh, than, than they are. But Leganes had more shots in 90 minutes than Manchester United managed in 180, got the 2-1 victory. What what you could argue is that maybe Sevilla, who put a lot into that Old Trafford game... They were terrific and, as well, Mon- but everyone was going on about how bad Manchester United were, but, but I thought Seville were great with the ball. And, and Montella didn't make wholesale changes. I'm presuming so, that's enough to get him the job now, is it, Montella? Um, in, well, in terms of next season, I, yeah. I mean, probably. I mean, it went down very well with the fans. An historic result, really, for them to win at such a famous venue in the Champions League, taking them through to the quarterfinals. Um, but in La Liga, they're out now of the Champions League, down to sixth spot. OK, Barcelona beat uh, Bill Bow by two goals to nil. Um, a result notable for one of, one of Messi's, sorry, Messi's goal. Yes, uh, the first time he scored from outside the penalty area in open play in La Liga this season. I thought Barcelona, best 45 minutes I've seen of them this season. They were absolutely outstanding. Uh, could have been five, six, seven. It, it was just brilliant. No Suarez, uh, but Alcacer came in and scored. Messi got the other one. You know, Dembele, Coutinho out wide. It was like watching Barcelona a few years ago. 
And a quick look at the Spanish squad that they've picked. Another team that will be looking to win the World Cup. Yes, so I think that the big exclusion is that of Alvaro Morata. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously he'd been out of favour for some time at Chelsea. I, I would have thought a couple of months ago he would have been probably the, the most likely starter for them. Diego Costa now got that wrapped up, I would have thought. And Morata's battling for his place in the World Cup squad. Meanwhile, one of his Chelsea teammates, who people have been calling on for years to get in the squad, is in. Yeah, Alonso. Uh, finally, after a you know, couple of brilliant years for Chelsea, I mean, he couldn't displace Jordi Alba, um, but yeah, a chance at making... But he brings a different thing. He's, he's a more powerful physical presence than, say, Alba. He is. Um, I wonder about the technical ability um, in that Spanish team. That's not really what they're after, that power. It's, it's all about how you keep the ball. And so um, Alba's relationship with, say, an Iniesta it, it, it would, would be the deciding factor. And who's your star of the week in Spain, Mark? Uh, Inez Unal, um, formerly of Manchester City, scored twice for Villarreal in a 2-1 victory over Atletico Madrid today. Thank you very, very much indeed. And we will continue to investigate the mystery of how Leganes, with uh, with all their power, managed to overcome Seville, who's uh, loads of their players would get into the Manchester United squad, says Jose Mourinho. I mean, I, I know it's, it's easy to take the mickey out of that press conference. Um, So we will. You're listening uh, to the Trans Europe Express here on Talk Sport with me, Danny Kelly, and him, Mark Landon. We love having you along for the ride. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny Kelly's... This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Fans Europe Express on TalkSport. Yeah, welcome back to the second hour of Danny Kelly's Trans Europe Express with me, the aforementioned Danny Kelly, and Mark Langdon, um, one of our trusty wingmen here, without whom the show 
would mean nothing. Also, thanks to you, uh, Sunday evening at this time, you could be doing anything, getting ready for tomorrow and the return to work and all that. So we're very glad to have you along for the ride. A ride that will include a full review of everything that's happened in the Champions League and Europa League last week and a preview of the quarterfinals of those two tournaments. A very special European cult hero for you, Simon Calder's latest report from Russia on the towns and cities and stadia you can expect to go to if you're going to the World Cup. Every game live here on TalkSport. We'll bring you latest from Turkey, Portugal, Holland, Greece and Belgium. And then Mark will continue his World, our World Cup previews and we'll draw two more teams that we haven't talked about yet out of a hat, and we'll see where we go with those. We've also got the most controversial poll of the series so far, in which t- over 10,000 of you are now voted. I'll talk about that in just a second. And our music homework. You're listening to Trans Europe Express here on Talk Sports. So the poll. Okay, um, we asked who the best young player in the world was. The rule is 1996 and under. The date of birth. You can't have it, people like Dipala Dybala. He's a middle-aged man by comparison to what we're talking about. Um, and of course, at the moment, Deli Ali um, lagging behind, even worse now, 9%. He'll be pulled up by the jockey soon. Um, Marco Asensio, 16%. Kylian Mbappe, 28%. But still out in front is Leroy Sane um, with 47% of the vote. Um, Adam Sullivan asks about Ryan Sessegnon, where he's a great young player, whether or not he's in that kind of company. He should be in the England squad. I, think I believe he missed wasn't. a trick there. Yeah, put him only into the 21s. Um, I am teaser, says Leon Bailey. Much talked about here on, on Trans Europe Express. Yes, I mean, Leon Bailey had a, a poor game today for Leverkusen. I, I think he would be below the kind of standard we're talking about. But, you know, he's somebody that could get to that level. Um, but, like, I, I don't think he's as good as the four we've got in the poll just yet. Also much discussed, um, Malinkovic Savic. But he's also too old, Daryl. Sorry. Uh, Cecilia says, has to be Dembele. Uh, Cecilia, you need to tweet again. Which one are you talking about? Um, the one, uh, well, Usman Dembele or... Oh, or the, the Celtic one, Musa. I'm, I'm assuming, uh, I'm hoping... Who it's, knows? I'm Who hoping knows? it's Usman Dembele. He's somebody that, if we were doing this poll this time last year, probably would have won it, which goes to show how quickly... Who did you vote for? I voted for Mbappe. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think he's having a, a fine season for Paris Saint-Germain uh, and is just... A, a extraordinarily talented although I take, I, I understand why people have gone for Sane because he's having a good season and it's obviously f- most people watch the Premier League and say so he's doing it in that and I vote for Leroy Sane as well because of what he's doing in the Premier League and also to try and keep the lowest possible profile on Delhi Alley and I'm surprised that you didn't mention that motivation as well um, Mark, let's talk about the Champions League and um, we'll get we'll go through the quarterfinal draw in a second. I just want to talk about one or two of the games. I mean, obviously. Only two English teams got through, which means that's obviously Spurs, Chelsea, and Manchester United went out. Let's talk about Chelsea first, that game against Barcelona, because although it looked like a, a wrecking scoreline, I thought Chelsea were in that tie from start to finish. It sounds crazy, doesn't really it? Well. It sounds crazy to say a team's unlucky to lose 4-1 on aggregate. They but, were. But they were, I mean... Did they hit the, but they hit the woodwork five times in the course of that. They did, um, and it was mistakes that cost them Christensen in the first game, and then Courtois, who's not having a great season, actually, by his high standards, uh, getting done for the particularly the first goal. Fabregas gave away the ball for the second one. It, it was all pretty avoidable, really, from, from Chelsea's point of view. Um, they, they were they were good in the kind of middle area. It was just in both boxes that they fell down. I mean, if you were doing a 
you know a very short match report you could Barcelona had Messi and Chelsea didn't and that well, was and that the, maybe that could arguably be the history of world football for the past yes, several um, years we'll see know, what happens in the World Cup with Argentina as I, well. I mean something like Valverde the coach probably just can't believe his luck uh, you know to have somebody like that in your team it's an absolute dream and yet Barcelona have only won the Champions League it once in the last five or six years yeah it's that's been, probably not good enough it, is it's it? been a, a struggle for them in, in the, the most recent campaigns obviously won it under Luis Enrique and people were saying that team was better than the, the Guardiola one don't think it, it, it was as good I mean individually maybe but not as a not no. as a team collective um, no, you know so yeah, uh, Xavi and Iniesta Busquets all at their absolute best with Messi in front of them goodness. exactly exactly goodness. I mean this Barcelona team just plays in moments they are um, uh, pragmatic uh, they play very well today and in that way they reflect a little bit Juventus don't they they know when the moment comes in the game to go for the throw they, they do and obviously if you've got Messi that becomes an easier task yes. um, and they're looking to be very solid defensively so PK and MTT probably for the first time, probably even more than the Guardiola team. This is probably an area where they are stronger. Goalkeeper um, and the two centre-backs are, are proper, yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, Jordi Alba's playing exceptionally well um, at left-back. Right-back, uh, Sergio Roberto, still there. Um, looked like he was going to be di- di- uh, displaced, but no, he's still there. I still think he's a weakness in, in that position. Busquets' uh, broken toe. Is a concern. I mean, Rakitic played there today and, and did very well in, in the holding Which I role. I was the obvious replacement. That then leaves a hole where Rakitic normally plays. Paulinho played in Rakitic's position. They're not the same player, though. They're, they're not. I mean, Paulinho's a versatile central midfielder. I think he can he can do any job um, that's required of him. But nobody has got that relationship like Busquets has got um, in terms of him being able to drop and make it a back three. Busquets... And he and PK have done this for so long and so successfully. Yeah, he takes takes the ball off of PK, then gives it into midfield. He's somebody that clever tactically, he stops the play when it needs to be stopped. You know, he does the dirty stuff as well. So he is a loss. Um, they've, they've drawn Roma. Um, they would expect to beat Roma. Yes. Uh, that, yes, they, they, they will. I mean, Roma came through against Shakhtar. In the, Shakhtar lost the heads in the second half of, of that game in Rome. Once Roma got the goal that sort of put them at the advantage with the away goal, maybe uh, Shakhtar kicking themselves that they didn't get another goal um, at home. Uh, as far as Roma are concerned, I, I, I mean, there's a mismatch there if Messi gets up against Fazio one on one, running at him. Um, that would scare the living daylight. Still leaves the Roma goalkeeper to beat. Uh, Alisson, um, just a phenomenon, really. Uh, Uh, Better than, I mean, to be better than Edison. I just saw some stuff he's done the last week. um, uh, He comes out, he, um, you know, can can sort of kick the ball over opposition he defenders. He's got, he's got a Cruyff turn. I saw him do as well. He, he's got he's got the lot. I mean, him and Edison push each other. You know, for the mm. next ten years in terms of Absolutely. Well, lucky old Brazil. He'll, he'll, it, we'll see how good Alisson is in these two games against Barcelona. Absolutely. Now look, um, Seville won in Manchester, and here on the British media, of course, all we did was say how terrible Manchester United were. I think a little bit of credit to the way Seville... The, the, it's not that... Because Mourinho is right. They did hide the ball, something they've been doing in the away legs of European ties for 10 years now, and very successfully. But that takes tremendous technique and courage to do it. It does. It, it does. I mean, I, I just want to just briefly talk about mm. Manchester United. Yeah. How on earth a team with that uh, quality spending power can turn a 180 minute tie into a 20 minute sprint when every Sevilla goal is worth more than every Manchester United goal is just bonkers I mean there is there's no way for a favourite 
to, to play. Uh, if you're an underdog, to by not, all means. To not try and score away from home where anyone will lie in their head sees in the Champions League and the Europa League, the big teams, the first thing you try and do is make sure you get on the score sheet away from home. Exactly. A two, uh, teams are sort of settling for a 2-1 defeat as, yeah, we'll but, take that. But to see him clapping the team off in Seville for a, a turgid 0-0 draw, I thought, really? That, that, that's, that could, <sighs> it can bite you in the bum and it did. It, it did. Um, obviously, the substitution bringing on Ben Yedder for uh, Luis Muriel made a huge difference, came on and within no time he'd scored twice. Which was so ironic because Mourinho had hoped to turn it into a sprint for the end and indeed they did and they lost the sprint finish. Yeah, I mean, but that was just the wrong, the, the, absolutely the wrong tactics. But I thought Nzonzi, you mentioned them in midfield, I thought Nzonzi, um, when Mourinho talks about players getting into the Manchester United team, Nzonzi probably be somebody he'd love to have in his midfield with the way that he plays. Benega, very good in there as well. OK, let's look Let's look forward now in looking back. And we've already said that Barcelona will probably do uh, a, a number on Rome. Um, Seville won't have enough for Bayern Munich the form they're in yeah I mean I would have thought Bayern Munich would would win that game and actually the flak Mourinho has been getting maybe nothing compared to what he could get if Bayern Munich do put on a decent score against Sevilla Juventus against Real Madrid of course is a, a repeat final of, of many times and uh, recently and still a great tie and a test for a Madrid side that's coming into form at the right time uh- yeah, I, I think this is a, a very interesting game. Juve, uh, worth pointing out, Benatia and Pjanic missed the first leg through suspension. The yellow cards they picked up against Tottenham at Wembley. And with Chiellini going off, we don't know how serious that injury was against Spal. Um, that could be an interesting Pjanic one. Is a big loss, isn't he? Yeah, because Pjanic is their tempo setter in yeah, midfield. Nothing spectacular, but the ball keeps getting rotated through him, doesn't it? And he also is brilliant at set pieces, corners, free kicks into the box. It's been an area of weakness for Real Madrid. Juventus very strong, Mandzukic, the defenders coming up. So um, not having that delivery um, will will be difficult. But what Juventus will do um, is not give that much space for Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, they, they'll be very happy for Ronaldo to play in the box because I think Chiellini backs himself to be able to mark anybody in those type of situations when it's touch tight. Didn't happen in the Champions League final. A lot of rumours about Juventus falling apart half-time in that game being dismissed, but keep on getting stories about something went wrong for them at half-time in that game. Danny Alves didn't play for the club again. Bonucci left um, after that as well. So um, maybe no smoke without fire in terms of that. I would expect Real Madrid to win, but it could be it could be a close old game, that one. And in the heated balls derby, Liverpool against Manchester City? I can't wait for this game. Usually, hate um, sort of all nationality yes. ties because you you see them every week in, in in their respective leagues, and you like to see the difference. But Liverpool, Man City was so good at Anfield. Another two legs of that, you know, I'll take all day long. Absolutely. Um, Manchester City, you know, a four-three defeat as they got away at Anfield would actually be not a bad result, would it? At home, they they've been. The, the, the outstanding team but Liverpool will believe that the way they play can unsettle um, City I, I just think this will be the, the if this, game if of this the, ended 6-7 uh, you, you wouldn't be at all surprised over the two legs oh, they, over the first leg Danny the way that they're both <laughs> capable uh, of playing neither team will sh- uh, will shut up shop here they'll go for Should each be other belting, yeah. 
just favour Manchester City, but not by much again. Some good stories in the Europa League. Um, let's start with uh, just a minute, the draws. Leipzig against Marseille. Arsenal go to Moscow or uh, play CSK. Uh, I think Madrid against Sporting Lisbon. Lazio against Red Bull Salzburg. So two Red Bull teams in the last eight. And I think the Austrian team are the one that really caught your eye. They are because um, they, they beat Dortmund in, in the last round and deserve to beat Dortmund. And I think that that result really put them on the map. And it's the... the result they've been looking for this is a team that's been flying under the radar probably for too long because they keep missing out on the Champions League they've had so many hard luck stories in terms of trying to qualify for that competition I think it's one defeat in 52 matches in all competitions for them now now a lot of those are in Austria where they are the dominant team walking away with the Austrian Bundesliga yeah but in the Europa League they've done very well they won the UEFA Youth League last season now that, I think, should have made everybody sit up and take note of what's going on here because somebody like Naby Keita, he came from from, from the Salzburg team uh, through the Red Bull franchise, if you like. Then he goes to Leipzig. Then they um, sell him on. Uh, Upper Meccano, the centre-half that everybody's raving about at Leipzig, another one um, that, 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 that came through this Salzburg Leipzig um, sort of rotation thing that they've got going on. A lot of interesting young players. The one that caught my eye was Hadara in midfield um, in, in the victory over uh, Dortmund. But it could be any one of them, really. They've got... Everybody um, is so negative about Red Bull's um, influence on football at, at the moment. And rightly so, I think, in, in, in Germany because of the way they bent the rules to do it. But actually, what they are trying to do I don't think it's a bad thing. So much emphasis on youth, on developing players, on on getting coaches to play progressive, attacking, high-press football that most people like to watch. Um, I think there are worse ownership models. Oh, and sure. let's be fair, the, the Premier League is not short of those. Well, let's no, be absolutely no. frank. Um, the other um, title we need to talk about is Arsenal against CSK in Moscow. In many ways, one, they've avoided Atletico Madrid over two legs, and two... From a footballing point of view, I know I've spoken to you about this uh, on Friday. You think this is a belting draw, apart from the politics and the travel, but on a football field, a belting draw for Arsenal. Yes, obviously the the, uh, the political situation um, be be quite dodgy. I think at the moment, you know, um, for, for the Arsenal fans that are travelling, you know, it, it's maybe not the, the greatest time to be going um, to, to Russia as an Englishman. Uh, probably fair to say. However, None of um, Arsenal's players are on as Wilshire. Sorry, <laughs> no, oh, um, but it, it, just in terms of the the actual game, um, I mean, I thought this was the ideal draw. I couldn't believe that uh, CSKA overcome Leon after losing the first leg 1-0. You look at the play. I mean, the Berezutsky twins and Ignacevic are still the back three. Over 100 years between them at the back. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Ignacevic feels like he's sort of that on his own um, at times. Uh, Zhigoyev and uh, Golovin, the, the midfielders, Golovin, somebody that's been linked with Arsenal before. Zhigoyev's also a veteran, isn't he? Yes, know? I mean, Zhigoyev's not actually that old. Um, he just feels like he's been around for forever. But uh, Golovin is the one that everybody's talking about as uh, potentially... You know somebody that can actually um, go to to maybe a, a top European league, and he has been linked with Arsenal in the past. So, um, it, it, for his point of view, if he can get a couple of good games against Arsenal, that would help him. But um, you know, when you could have got Leipzig, when you could have got Atletico Madrid, when you could have got Lazio, you'd settle for CSK all, all day long. And Arsenal, I think, deserved that because they they got it rough in the last sixteen playing Milan, and the way that they mm-hmm. dispatched them was pretty impressive. It was. 
Let's talk about Madrid very quickly then. Will they take this competition seriously? And could we see a Madrid double in the European Championship? Well, Atletico Madrid will take it seriously for the simple reason that they're running on a squad of about 16 or 17 players this season now after selling Carrasco and Gaetan uh, to, to, to Chinese football. So uh, there is no rotation for, from Diego Simeone. Even when the tie was won against Lokomotiv Moscow, they were in Russia. Uh, he still brought on Griezmann just to make sure, and he scored a brilliant chip goal. They can't win La Liga. They're out of the Copa del Rey. I'm sure they'll, they'll give this everything from now from now on. Fantastic, Mark. Thank you very, very much indeed. Um, we'll get uh, say, more musical homework uh, with more news from the poll very soon. But next up here on the Trans-Europe Express, a very different, uh, still very worthwhile, I think, a European cult football hero for you. You're listening to Trans-Europe Express, and he is Mark Langdon. Yeah, the Langdon's in the house. Another song with a four in the title. This is Fourth Rendezvous by Jean-Michel Jarre. Was it a World Cup theme? I'm just trying to think. Was it 1998 World Cup theme on ITV? Yep. So that's why all you lot know it. Thank you very much indeed. Keep your requests coming in for songs with a four anywhere in the title, a figure or the word, uh, to, uh, to 81089 on the tweet on the text, 81089. You can tweet me, Danny Kelly Words. We're celebrating the fact that three top players, Mario Cardi, Mo Salah and Cristiano Ronaldo, all scored four this weekend in European football. And with that one football tune going away, here's another one as we head into our European football cult hero. Incredible, incredible Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yeah, Mark, we do normally have a very normally have a player, always have a player here, but uh, today it's not. No, we're bending the rules. Um, yep. I mean, you know, the, uh, Rob Daly d- did that a few weeks ago when he picked a current player in, in Naldo. So yep. um, we've gone for Ajax, who are celebrating their 118th birthday today. And I think it's fair to say that their influence on, on football um, probably about as, well, as great as any other club, or certainly right up there with any other um, club in, in terms of their overall I, contribution I, to football. Absolutely. If I may go back a little bit, and say that, you know, Ajax has been around for, as you know, 100 years now, although they were a cricket club as well. More on that a little later. Um, but I'm a little bit older than you, Mark, and so all that you're going to say about the influence they've had over the last 15 years, 20 years, um, I'll go back to the early 70s. and I'd been watching English football, you know, as a teenager and all the rest of it, um, and English football teams played 4-4-2 ever since they won the World Cup. And uh, you had a big man, a little man up front. Everybody played very strictly in their position. And English football was very good. It was brilliant to watch. And the grounds were a laugh and all the rest of it. And then Dutch teams started to win the, the European Cup. And the Dutch national side started to be unbelievably good. And you started to watch these teams. I mean, I, it, Mostly it was Ajax. But it would be wrong not to remember that Feyenoord also won the European Cup around the late 60s, early 70s. But the, the change in the way football was being played, where with D- these Dutch teams, with the players 
too much is made with the word total football, but what it was was unbelievably fluid players changing position, not being afraid to hold the ball at the back. And of course, and this is often lost with teams who now try and play total football, is that uh, Kroll, Naiskins, Hahn, Van Hannigan, they could all put their foot in as well at a time when you had to do that. But that Dutch team blew my teenage mind apart, but also blew world football apart. The, the, sorry, I, I know you're desperate to say that, but the Brazilian team of 1970, which people thought was going to be the greatest football team anyone ever, ever saw, was already consigned to memory by Dutch teams, including Ajax, and particularly Ajax, within two or three years. Well, it's just the, the fact that, of course, that kind of team that was based around them in terms of World Cup, when people say um, nobody remembers losers, Sorry, I mean, it's complete, complete nonsense because yeah. we, we still speak about that. Like, how, how big an influence do you think Johan Cruyff was on football then and it still is now. I think Johan Cruyff, who came out of that Dutch team, of course, is the most important figure in, in 20th century football. Certainly since the 1970s, you'll have had people um, like Jules Rimet who organised the global game and all the rest of it. But Cruyff, first as a player and then as a coach and, the, and what he's taught other people, particularly with uh, Barcelona. We don't forget, he takes a club that's struggling under the jackboot of, that's not the right word, under the boot of Real Madrid for years and years and years. And by sheer power of thinking, understanding the game, geometry, you just told me a tiny thing. Yeah, well, Frank De Boer was on BT a couple of weeks ago. Um, he upset Jose Mourinho, didn't he, when he said about Rashford um, mm-hmm. you know, um, under the wrong manager. And he told a story about Johan Cruyff believing that um, the best player on the pitch should take a throw-in because when the throw-in then came onto the pitch, he would be the only player that was unmarked. And so you would immediately give the ball back to the best player. And, uh, and that, that's that little, just that little thing of being able to, to see differently, um, revolutionary, uh, that kind of... Um, and and then you didn't look at the coaches, and I mean, we're starting here with Guardiola, they're all disciples. Many of them are disciples of Johan Cruyff. So the answer to your question is, yes, I genuinely believe he's the most important figure in, in world football in the last 30, 40 years. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just looking at their Champions League team that won it in 95 and reached a final in 96, and it is um, an astonishing... This uh, their second great coming, wasn't it? It was. I, I, I mean, obviously, that they've uh, been... It's, players are leaving too early now. Yes, the, the, the financial the distribution of the game has changed. Of TV yeah. money. But Van der Sar in goal. Um, then you had Reisiger at right back. Uh, Frank de Boer at left back. Uh, yeah, uh, Blind at centre-half. Seydolf and Davids in midfield with Lippmann and Fanidi George. Ronald de Boer over Mars. And these were all, were all young players. Your mate, Patrick Kleiber. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my mate Patrick. Uh, and then the team after had Canu um, and, and Winston Bogard, who obviously had a bad time in England, but um, for a while was considered to be a very good defender. Um, you, you have Frank Reichard as well, of course, in, in that first team. So the, the way that they still teach, but I mean, somebody like even now in the Premier League, you'd have somebody like Ericsson um, and Vertonghen came through um, that the philosophy, that score. Um, and it just it, it seems to be just still developing players. Alderweireld, uh, yes, uh, and, and um, as well. And you've also got the next wave. Everybody's talking about Justin Cliver and um, yeah, and players like that. De Lip, uh, Frankie De, uh, De Jong, the midfielder that I think could be very good um, uh, as well. So and just to say that you know, a couple of years ago when I was doing um, Yap Stam for my Sporting Life, we went to, and I hope that in the pressure that's on the club through. Um, the money that's in other countries now, they don't give up because their sister, their, the, the thing that I went to see where their youth team was doing its thing, extraordinary. They've got a lovely mini stadium. Um, so the players are always playing in front of a crowd so they get to feel for that. 
and I was in the canteen where two extraordinary things happened. One, you just see Overmars, Van der Sar just wandering around the club canteen. The young players are all excitable teenagers, but when comes mealtime, they all have to put their phones in a bag and the bags are taken away, so they sit and talk to each other. And I just thought, wow, they're trying to bring these young fellas up to understand the value of everything and to be a team. And then as I was going, it's a modern building. As you go around it, there's all these stained glass um, representations of great Ajax teams and great Ajax players from the past. And the last one has got a man playing cricket. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, we actually had a cricket team before we had a football team. Now, Ajax cricket team still exists, but I think the two things are completely separate now. But they were originally English people coming there, as I understand it, um, because the bloke spoke average English and I haven't done enough research since then um, but there's definitely a cricket element to the Ajax story as well and look I totally get it that along with clubs like Benfica you could argue Celtic and Rangers that the the, the TV money that's come into Italy France England Germany and Spain means that the days of those kinds of clubs doing what the likes of Ajax did Maybe behind us, but I, I think we should never ever forget what that particular football club has done. And why I think it was such celebrated that they reached the Europa League final last season. Now they didn't turn up in, in that no. final and were well beaten on, on the night by Manchester United, but just getting there um, was a tremendous achievement um, for them. And uh, they, they sing the, uh, the the Bob Marley song of Every Little Thing's Going to Be All Right as well, Danny. So that's another reason to uh, like and That's a million great reasons to really honour Ajax as our European cult hero. Incredible, incredible Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yes, Simon Calder is the country's leading travel expert and each week here on the Trans-Europe Express he'll talk to you about a town or city in Russia and the adjoining stadium that you might visit if you're going to the World Cup. Remember, every game is live here on TalkSport. Here comes Simon. Stadium. Stadium. The Kazan Arena began life as venue for the Summer World University Games in 2013 when it hosted the opening and closing ceremonies. Two years later, it hosted some of the competitions at the World Aquatics Championships. Yes, with two 50-metre swimming pools installed. Once all the running and the swimming were over, a football pitch was laid at last. You might recognise the style of the place because the architects were populous. The same people behind Wembley, the Emirates and the Olympic Stadium in London. Viewed from above, the arena which stands on the banks of the Kazanka River resembles a water lily, says FIFA. Hmm, capacity 45,000 people. Matches to see. Six matches are going to be played in Kazan, starting on the 16th with France-Australia. On the 20th of June, Iran will take on Spain and four days later, Poland-Colombia. I'm going to be watching that one. 27th of June, South Korea against Germany in Group F. And then into the round of 16. 30th of June, it's the winner of Group C and the runner-up of Group D. And finally, there's going to be a quarter-final on the 6th of July. Rating Путешествий Talksport. Talksport 
travel rating. I really like Kazan. Catherine the Great declared it to be the third most beautiful city in Russia after St. Petersburg and Moscow. It's known as the Istanbul of the Volga, where Europe meets Asia. The Cathedral Mosque of Kazan is decked in a confusion of scripts, Russian, the lingua franca of most of the people who worship there, and Arabic, the language of Islam. And then there's Lenin. As Vladimir Ulyanov, he studied for a while at Kazan University. Now, you might remember Mick Jagger got thrown out of the London School of Economics and started the Rolling Stones. When Vladimir Ilyich Lenin was ejected from Kazan University, he created the Soviet Union. Oh, dear. The market in the city, anyway, is called the Intestine of Kazan, and I stayed in the Youth Hotel across the river from the main part of Kazan, and only £60 a night. And would you believe you can dine in the city's Baker Street restaurant, where the specialities are Japanese. The TalkSport travel rating out of five for Kazan is a surprising four. I don't know, you people, and you got, I throw the music open to you, and this is where we go, is it? Madonna and Justin Timberlake, of course, and four minutes. Keep them coming, please. Songs with four, or the figure four, anywhere in the title. A1089 at Danny Kelly Words. No disrespect, I'm going to cut this short, because well, keep playing, so I'll do the poll, I see you, thank you very much. Uh, ever controversial poll over 12,000 you voting on a Sunday night thank you very very much indeed uh, who's the best young player in the world uh, Deli Ali down to 9% now Marco Asensio 16 Kylian Mbappe 28 still leading with a slightly reduced majority Leroy Sane with 47% of the vote you can go to at TalkSport at Danny Kelly Words or at Mark Langdon on Twitter to vote in that poll now I'm cutting the Timberlakester and the Madonstress down a little bit because we've got a lot to get through this next section. We whiz through all the other leagues in Europe. I think the obvious place to start, Mark Langdon, is Turkey, where there's a fantastic race for the title and the top four played each other. They did, yeah. Um, uh, the super Saturday and Super Sunday. Are you oh, Super Super Saturday. Super 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 Sunday. Um, in, in the Super League, of course, as um, super. Turkey is known. Fenerbahce nil, Galatasaray nil. No goals, no red cards. You wouldn't have well, fancied you're, you're, that. You work for the Racing Post. That must have been almost impossibly unlikely. It, it, yeah, I mean, usually if there's no goals, you're at least good for four red cards. But, yeah. uh, it means that Galatasaray stay top, but they're only one point clear of Basakashir, uh, who beat Bajiktas one goal to nil today. Uh, probably knocks Bajiktas out of it now that they're on uh, 50 points in third. Fenner... 48 points in fourth. They've got still six eight points. games to go, though. There are. I, I'm, I'm already looking ahead, though, to the April 14-15 weekend. Uh, Galatasaray host uh, Basakashir. So uh, that could well be the title. There's decided. at least three three titles up for grabs that day. Yeah, that weekend we've got PSV against Ajax in, in the, the Dutch Eredivisie, and also 
uh, Benfica against Porto. Fantastic. Thank you very much indeed for that. So, as he says there, Galatasaray 54, Istanbul 53, Besiktas 50, Fenerbahce 48 points. The only thing else I would guess we would say there... Um, Ah, no, that's, that's plenty for now. Let's move on, if we may, uh, to another r- tight um, race for the title, which you just mentioned there again, that in Portugal. Yes, uh, Benfica and Porto both won by two goals to nil. It means that Porto, two points clear going... Well, I mean, there are a couple of games to go before we get into that kind of uh, Classico situation, but all points to that being a virtual title uh, decider... Wouldn't expect either to drop points between now and then. Okay, and uh, Portugal, of course, European champions. Um, what squad have they picked for these World Cup warm-up games? Yeah, a very ageing one uh, mm-hmm. at the back, um, for, for sure. The likes of Jose Font um, is in it. Uh, Bruno Alves, Bruno is, in Alves, in Alves is, is in it as, as well. The, oh. Further forward, it's a bit more exciting. You know, uh, Bernardo Silva, somebody that can have a huge impact, I think, on the World Cup. Um, and, and Ruben Neves, who we were talking about earlier on, despite being in the championship, his performances have kept him in um, the, the squad. And, uh, you know, interesting to see whether he can hold on and, and go to the World Cup. I mean, you know, Pepe, where are they going to find a young centre-half to actually defend their goal? There is uh, one from Benfica called Diaz. Um, Ruben Diaz. Yeah, Ruben Diaz, who is being spoken about as a future Benfica captain, uh, somebody that, that could well... Um, force his way into that squad for the for the World Cup. Uh, Fernando Santos, the coach, doesn't take many risks. If he takes one, it might be in that position. Okay, let's talk about Holland. Um, as you mentioned, there PSV and Ajax still it's a race for the title. Though PSV are, are, are red hot favourites. Um, Robin van Persie got a couple of goals for Feyenoord at the weekend. He's starting to score for them now in a good game. Actually, they won four three at Pexvola, um, Yapstam's first club. Um, but the big story, I think, comes from outside of the top of the uh, the Eredivisie to do with the club W. Uh, w- Venlo. Yeah, they were beaten three uh, 0 by PSV, but the, the game uh, wasn't overshadowed. But it was uh, there, there was a nice moment in, in the fact that Leonard Ty, uh, the, the the Venlo striker didn't play in the game he was um, he, he's a blood donor there was found to be a dna match for um somebody's got leukemia wow. and so he, he missed the game um you know doing his his good work uh, has to be said and um you know just wish him um, all, all the best Leonard in that Ty is the man's name is absolutely, it absolutely yeah. yeah hats off to Leonard. absolutely uh, uh, just in that game, Van Hinkle got two goals. He's still on loan from Chelsea. He's of course, now, they all are. He's, he's veteran status, not one of the younger guys that's on loan. But it's 12 for the season in the Eredivisie now. For somebody that you know just plays central midfield, it's quite an interesting amount almost, of goals. You could almost call him a defensive midfielder. Yeah, I mean, certainly when he was uh, um, when he was sort of coming through at Chelsea, that was the position they thought he would, if he was going to make it, that's where it would be. OK, let's talk about uh, a league where no football happens, Greece. Yes, still suspended um, after last week's, you know, just extraordinary... Mark, you may not know the answer to this, but help me with this. Um, Normally, when a government interferes with a football in the slightest way, FIFA goes straight off the deep end and says, we suspend you from from the World Cup and all the rest of it. 
Um, but it's the Greek government who's, who's suspended the football here. Yes, um, I, I don't think FIFA have got involved yet. I mean, obviously, there's no great hurry because they're not in the World Cup. No. Um, so, uh, at the moment, the, the spotlight is still firmly on uh, Ivan Savidis, the Payok owner that entered the pitch with his gun. Um, have they, have they, well, last time I heard, he was on the lamb. Have they tracked him down? Uh, yeah, um, he's issued an apology. <laughs> I don't oh, know if that'll be... Of him. I don't know if that'll be enough. I mean, talk of Payok being relegated and, and all... I mean, I... Not sure they know what to do um, at the moment. It's such a an unusual, even by Greek football standards, and and we we're used to seeing some crazy stuff. This is you know most unusual. One day we should set aside half an hour here on Transit Express, and I'm not joking, to talk about Greek football and the belief whether it's true or not both outside the country, but particularly with fans inside the country, that the thing is rigged. Yeah, absolutely. There, there is a, a, a um, just a genuine belief that match-fixing um, is just um, an everyday occurrence and that the referees are in the pocket of X, Y and Z. And I think that that's why you know every every goal that's disallowed, that's controversial, gets such a uh, strong reaction. And I mean, albeit everybody that... plays thirty games, an absolute tussle, and then Olympiacos win the title. Yeah, <laughs> that has been the the accusation. And of course, the uh, I think certainly when they were going head to head with Panathinaikos, Panathinaikos used the kind of point to the fact that the European results weren't that different to Olympiacos, and yet when it comes to the Greek Super games, League, yeah. Um, yeah. one one team looked like they were much better. Of course, Pana have had their own issues, financial um, as. The whole country's had financial issues, and I think that has played a part, um, probably in the uh, the bad feeling and the Look, the, right. the atmosphere around the, the stadium. You're living in an economy that struggled so hard for the last decade, and then you go to watch a football match for a bit of, how albeit noisy recreation, and then you don't believe that either. It's just horrible, it horrible. Is, yes, um, I'm not sure that at the moment there's been any kind of um, date for when they will restart the the, the league off. I again. must tell you, there's a beautiful thing in front of me. I've got the uh, the sheet with the results and the, and the league table and everything. And Saturday, three fixtures. Sunday, five fixtures. Sorry, four fixtures from the Greek League. Match postponed. And normally it says match postponed stroke weather. Match postponed stroke illness. In each case, it says match postponed other. <laughs> Something other has happened here in Greece. Um, talk to me, uh, Dent. I mean, last week, Rob was very, very brave indeed. And once again, explained the league situation in Belgium now that they've broken up into about 45 atomized different leagues. You're more lucky this week. There was no league matches. No, a uh, uh, cup final and that they, it wasn't split into 10, um, 10 periods <laughs> or you know 16 different teams in the cup final. Right? It was just a normal... Uh, cup final uh, and standardly age name from the past yeah. name from the past who maybe in more recent seasons hasn't quite worked out for them beat Genk 1-0 um, so they're guaranteed now to be in the Europa League next season other teams for the Europa League have still got to play about 15 matches and then a playoff and, and... if you're of my age just in the word standardly age just says you know European football and there they are back in it well done to them and if you uh, used to listen to my old shows Danny Baker I'll just say the three words standardly age tie and leave it at that uh, most of you will know what I'm talking about. Um, their squad, of course, a hugely competitive squad for the upcoming World Cup. Well, well who have they picked? Well, they haven't picked Christian Benteke. He's average, awful. Thoroughly deserved omission from the squad. Yeah. yeah just... In terms of, if I draw a scale of physical and football ability versus achievement, he's my least favourite player currently playing. He's somebody that uh, goes through the motions, I think, too often. Um, and they've got so many options. Somebody like Batshuayi, I'm surprised Origi's in it. Uh, I mean, he's not been very good for Wolfsburg. But I think Benteke almost been punished, really, for 
um, just these apathy for so, ponying about. Yes, um, so, and Batshuayi thoroughly deserves his call up. He's 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 he got his head down after what he, he could have got very disappointed at Chelsea. He goes to Dortmund, boom. And just just worth pointing out, they've only got one game. They're only playing Saudi Arabia, so. Um, while a lot of European teams are uh, pitting themselves against sort of other top European teams, not the case for Belgium. Alderweireld's in it. Vincent Kompany's in it. Nangalan, ah. he is in it. Um, they've been a, a clashed with uh, Roberto Martinez on a number of occasions. Didn't they? Didn't they not be, can't they even eat in the same restaurant? Nangalan <laughs> tells a story of him and Martinez being in the same restaurant in Ibiza. Um, I'll, last I'll give you summer. almost money on that it's the Blue Marlin, but go on. Did you enjoy your steak there, Danny? I did not. Uh, because so, I am because I am not interested in uh, professional love um, or paying that kind of money for uh, for food. Well, it, it appears that both of those players were more interested in the sunset and the surroundings than they were in each other because they didn't even they didn't even say hello to each other, which kind of tells you what their relationship is like. And I still wonder about how they will get on for a month in Russia. And of course, right now, very quickly, it's the return of Bentner Watch. What about? Yeah. Well, He's back, he's back. What's he done? Uh, he's been Nicholas Bentner uh, this weekend. No goal, subbed after 77 minutes in a, a draw um, for, for, for Rosenborg. Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. We'll watch Nicholas Bentner more next week. Coming up next here on the Trans-Europe Express, and we'll get two more of the teams previewed by a man who's written a magnificent book about all the teams in the Oh, no, who's planning to write a magnificent book about all the teams in the upcoming World Cup every game live here on TalkSport. Our songs with four in the title, four in the morning, of course, Gwen Stefani. Thank you for all your help with the music homework. And don't forget, if, uh, if you don't know already, there's a podcast that it shows you just go to iTunes at TalkSport as well. Download it. That itself is already award winning, separate from the actual show, multi award winning. And you can join it. Yeah, just go and download it. It's great. I'm going to cut in Gwen short, bless her, because uh, we have a course now to do our World Cup. Um, draw, which involves me putting these envelopes into a hat. Here we go. Um, and uh, Mark's going to talk about two of the teams um, that we haven't yet previewed. I'll just open the envelope here. Okay. Well, this will test you, Mark. Of course, you're writing your famous book. Um, never going to be published. Japan. Uh, Japan, um, in a very interesting group. Uh, the, probably the most balanced group of the lot. Colombia and Poland and Senegal. So that there's an opportunity, I think, for uh, everybody in that section to win it. Or of course, to living come... in London, I know loads of Polish people. They think it's an absolute walk for Poland. Uh, it definitely won't be a walk for them. <laughs> um, but uh, Japan, are, uh, it's more about the players that are not in their squad. Isn't the, isn't the manager determined to shoot himself in the foot or something? Yeah, uh, Ali Odzic, the, the coach, very experienced uh, coach, has been to World Cups before and, and managed various um, national teams. Leaving out Kagawa and Okazaki uh, at the moment, among others... Um, Kagawa because he doesn't fit into the style of play, more of a, a passing playmaker, and he he wants people to go and press the ball and counter attack. And Okazaki, he believes, can't play as a lone centre forward. Now, I, I would always have thought that the coach really should get his best players 
and then then get a system that, that uh, the works very for them. very 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 worst Okazaki is a brilliant option, isn't he? Oh, and, right. his, and his energy, as has been remarked on before, it's not an original thought. Makes him a, a, a an addition to any team. I, I, I I'm sure you're aware of the uh, Japanese saying Yana Yori Dango. Um, Do you know what slipped my mind but briefly? Just, just for all the ignorant people out there, what does it mean? It means dumplings over flowers, and they've got more dumplings than flowers. Um, so it's sort of substance over style type uh, quote. They, what is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> they've got, they, they, they're a team that's industrious, um, but it, not the prettiest to watch. And I actually, I think they, they will struggle to get out of that group. Okay, let's, uh, let's have another one now. Just uh, this an envelope. Let's open this one. Ah, well, I don't need to look already. Uh, the hosts, Russia. Well, Russia. I mean, I mean, obviously, for a, in a lot of people, they'd be sort of the most unpopular um, of hosts. They're in a, a group that they would, when the draws made, would have expected to have got out. Uruguay, I think, would definitely go through. Egypt and Saudi Arabia. Now, Saudi Arabia, first game against the host, that should be the three points. Egypt, with the way Mo Salah is playing. Uh, that it suddenly, with every passing week, that game, the decisive game, probably in Group A, gets have harder. Have Russia at least divested themselves of their octogenarian players? They have. Uh, Berezutsky twins, Ignacevic don't don't play anymore. But they've had an injury crisis defensively. They've had two of their players go down with tournament-ending injuries. And not only that, Kakoring probably their their best centre forward or certainly up there, one of their biggest goal threats, their most likely goal scorer. He did his ACL on Thursday for Zenit in their defeat to Leipzig in the Europa League out of the World Cup. That's now three players they've got out. I don't think that they can sort of sustain and carry this amount of injury. So, I mean, it's never good for a tournament when the posts go out early. Just wonder whether Russia, you know, it, it, Mo Salah could end their tournament. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, to me, obviously, Japan career was a different kind of thing. To me, the least fancied hosts for a long, 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 long South Africa, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, South Africa, USA back in '94, um, obviously, weren't the team. I know they've missed the World Cup now, but they, they were seen as novices um, back yeah. then. Um, but no, Russia have done okay in some of their friendlies um, more recently, but went out earlier the Confederations Cup. Well, let's just hope there's no uh, skullduggery or Doug Scullery. Either will be bad, really, really bad. Uh, you, you, the referees are going to be under huge pressure, and uh, I mean, I think that's fair to say. Maybe leave it even at that. with VAR in operation. Let's leave it. At maybe that. Thank even you very more much so. indeed, Mark. Mark, first of all, say thank you very much. Please get on with your book because partly because I'm dying to read it. I mean, you won't finish the blinking thing. It's been three months, David. It'll be out book. early uh, April, Danny. I promise. In our poll, which uh, literally thousands and thousands and thousands of you voted, uh, Deli Ali, not the best young player in the world, according to you, nine percent. Uh, Asensio, 16%. Kylian Mbappe, 28 But Leroy Sane, way out in front with 47%. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny Kelly's Trans-Europe Express on TalkSport.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 